Praise the Lord. With all, all the busyness in my life, I still have time to teach uh, singing, voice lessons, and talent. Uh, yeah, so, all right. We appreciate it. <laughs> Amen. Happy Easter. God bless you this morning. Amen. You know, Randall, Brother Randall sent me a text uh, this morning at... Uh, maybe six in the morning. He's there at the park reserving a spot for us. Amen. So don't let him down. <laughs> Let's show up. Let's not let him down. He's out there freezing to death. He was freezing to death this morning, making friends with gophers. And, uh, but he, got a, he has a spot for us. Amen. I'm going to read a passage of scripture. Now, this is Easter morning, but I kind of got stuck on Friday night. I, you know, this there's this passage, this verse of scripture, and it's funny because I wanted to talk about the very things that Brother uh, Pastor Danny was talking about a moment ago and, and how the, the disciples doubted, but, but there's something that struck me, and I'm going to read it to you. It's found in Luke chapter 23, verse 43. Luke 23, verse 43. And as you're turning there, I'm going to read it to you. I don't know if we have it. No, I don't think we have it on the screen. So let me read it to you. This is what it says. And I'm reading from the New International Version. It says this. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that you would bless these words as we think about who Jesus was and is as we celebrate his resurrection and as we celebrate his life going to the cross and enduring the cross and enduring the grave and what it means for us, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, prepare our hearts and our minds and help me to communicate what these words mean in Jesus' name. And God's people say, amen, amen. You know, this was Satan's finest hour, this moment right here. This night, this evening, this day where, where Jesus was captured, uh, and not only had he captured Jesus, but he, uh, he was able to convict Jesus and condemn Jesus to death on the cross. So this was Satan's finest hour, his attempt to identify Christ as a vile criminal. That was his goal. I want people to think of him this way, to put him between two criminals, for people to see him, associate him with the worst of the city. The cruelty of the Roman judicial system kind of helped out because they were going to, uh, they, they insisted that, that criminals spend their last few moments in the most excruciating and humiliating death possible. Misery, total misery, total humiliation and pain. And this is what Satan wanted to leave Jesus, this picture of Jesus, not raising the dead, but to picture Jesus on the cross, humiliated and in pain. This was a point of no return for anybody on the cross. And so Satan was elated. It was a death of shame. It was intended to embarrass Christ and to embarrass Christianity. The devil expected that the cross would cause his disciples to fall away. Not just to run away, but to fall away. That's different. 
They ran away in the garden when they saw the people approaching with the torches and they came to arrest Jesus and he was betrayed with a kiss, you know, of all things by one of his, his disciples to come up and here's this mob of people with torches and bats and, and sticks and, and his disciple runs up and gives Jesus a kiss and they reckon, okay, that's him, grab him. Out of the chaos of his arrest, the disciples ran away. But this was intended for his disciples to fall away. That was his point. So when they nailed him to the cross, they placed criminals on both sides. And it was the intent of the enemy, again, for Jesus to be identified with the worst of the worst. Hardcore criminals. In fact, he was placed in the middle as a sign of association. He is in the midst of the worst. And that's what they wanted the world to see. In fact, Isaiah 53, 12 says that he was numbered with transgressors. With transgressors. Psalm twenty-two sixteen says, dogs have surrounded me. And this is David as he's prophetically announcing this moment in the life of his Savior. Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men has encircled me. Right? As a picture a picture of a man among others who were criminals, condemned to die, uh, you know, led by, by the state, led by religious leaders to be con condemned, humiliated, and placed in this excruciating, excruciating and painful uh, 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 death on the cross there on Calvary. So imagine the picture of the cross. Imagine this picture from Friday to Sunday morning. On that Friday, Jesus looked his worst. Together with the worst of the city, Jesus suffered. So he identifies with those on death row. He identifies with those on death row right now. Right now. He identifies with every man or every woman who has ever been humiliated. If you've ever in your life been publicly humiliated, he knows what you've been through. If you've ever been hurt, if you've ever been betrayed, he identifies. He identifies with everyone who has ever had to endure pain. All three of them hung together in public disgrace. They shared the same pain, the same slow death. They may have been tried in different courts by different judges, but here they are together on the hill called Golgotha, Calvary. They're all nailed there together in unity nailed there together in solidarity. Here's a, what God is doing. He's, he's re-identifying what fellowship is all about. And Jesus is right there with them. This is what they have in common, to be nailed to a cross, to die the most humiliating, excruciating death possible. So for those two criminals, God redefined this idea of fellowship. Whether they wanted to be there or not, you are there with Christ. And there's no better place to be than with Christ. The disciples abandoned him. Some denied him. Even one betrayed him. But the criminals were bound with him there on the cross. Right? Jesus couldn't get his disciples to watch with him just for an hour. Remember before that, when they were in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was there and he was praying. And I talked about this a couple weeks ago. And he was praying as if his sweat was like drops of blood. He was overwhelmed. He was the heaviest uh, stress, the heaviest burden 
was already placed upon him. And there he was praying and asking God, God, if there was any way that we can do this differently, can we do it differently? If there's any way that we can go to plan B or a plan C, Lord, I'm willing. But if there's another way and, and, and you know, and he says, you know what? And he stops himself and he says, you know what? Not my will, but your will. This was a heavy moment for him. And so he goes to his disciples and he says, hey, pray with me for an hour. Pray with me, man. This moment has come upon me where, man, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm overwhelmed with sorrow, overwhelmed with grief to the point of death. And he goes to his disciples, asks them to pray, and they couldn't even pray with him for an hour. They fell asleep. He goes back another hour, wakes them up. They fall asleep again, right? The disciples, he couldn't get them to watch for an hour. They fell asleep, man. But willing or not, these two criminals, they watched with him. Nobody stayed, or nobody fell asleep. They stayed awake the whole time. Six hours on the cross. Six hours with Christ on the cross. They couldn't run away. They couldn't fall asleep. They couldn't even fully deny him because they were publicly associated with him. Even the one that failed to believe in him. You're with him, man. You're like the same, you're in the same group. You're all criminals condemned to die. Right? So, in, but in spite of being so close to Jesus, the, the one hurled insults at him. In fact, if you were to read this story in Matthew's gospel, Matthew's gospel says that both of them hurled insults. At one point, they were both calling him names. Say, you know what, man, you've been preaching all that. Yeah, put your money where your mouth is. You know, get off the cross, whatever they said to him. Hurling insults, mocking him offending him. They joined with the enemies of Christ who were disrespecting him, disgracing him, saying things, vile things uh, uh, in front of him publicly. But the other criminal at some point came to his senses. It's possible that maybe Christ, he had come across Christ at some point in his life, Maybe Christ healed somebody that he knew. Maybe he visited his city and he heard Christ preaching before, but he had a little more reverence and he began to think about it. And, and, and he began to, to think, you know, man, uh, even though I, I know of this guy, man, you know, and I've heard of this guy, somehow th he lived the life that he lived and it ended him to this place on the cross there with Jesus. And as they hung there together for six hours, six long, painful hours, Finally, this guy began to speak up and he looked carefully at Christ and began to say to him, you know what? Let me ask this guy. I don't know what he'll say, but I want to ask him anyway, because there's something about him that seems a little different, man. There's something about him. He's here on this cross in the same pain that I'm in, I'm in but he's forgiving people, man. He's like, you know, people are there, you know, at the foot of the cross hurling insults. And he's saying, Father, forgive them. Man, he's here dying with me and he's still got gifts to give. He still has hopeful things to say. He's in excruciating pain. He is in a hopeless situation, but he has stuff to give to people. Right? How, how, there's something about this man next to me. Somehow he's not as helpless as he looks. Somehow he is not as helpless as he appears to be. Even with his hands nailed to the cross, he's handing out things. With his hands nailed to the cross, he's giving away things. 
at the very worst of his experience, the very worst of his existence. This was the worst time in Jesus's life, this moment on the cross, the worst time of his life. And you know what they say? They say that the true nature of a man comes out when you put some pressure on them, right? You put a little pressure on somebody, they might cuss you out. Hello. I told Debbie, man, make me something to eat. You know, and I said, oh, let me back off. You know, she's about to say it. She's like, you know, put some pressure. You know, you never know what might come out. But the thief on the right, he made this request. He says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus shocked the world with his response. He said to him, today, today, you're going to be with me in paradise. Today, you'll be with me in paradise at the height of Satan's pressure upon his life, at the height of of the pain in his life. The best comes out of him. He has stuff to give away, even as he's dying on the cross. Man, I have always believed that the crucifixion was an optical illusion. And I've said it before. I really believe it, that if you look at it, you know, hard enough, if you look at this crucifixion scene from the right angle, you don't see, uh, uh, you know, uh, Jesus, a good man in, in bad company. You see bad people in the company of a savior. It's a different picture. What the devil had intended for Christ to shame him, to ridicule him, Jesus turns it around. And from the cross, he's giving things away. From the cross, he's opening doors for people. From the cross, he is inviting people into heaven. This guy had no chance to go back to church, to find the altar, to make an altar call, to be discipled. But from the cross, he invited him into the kingdom of God and made a difference for that man's life. That's heavy, man. That's heavy. And this is the Jesus we serve. Amen. We see a savior with gifts to give. He has gifts to give. He's handing out pardons, even from the cross, delivering promises, man, dispensing hope, giving life, even in death. Right. Some of us, man, we used to, you know, uh, we used to we used to dispense dope. He's dispensing hope, dealing and slanging hope from the cross. The crucifixion was intended to disgrace him. The crucifixion was intended to humiliate him. But the thieves, it it didn't lower their status. Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Jesus in the midst of thieves is an upgrade for criminals. It's an upgrade for the convict. It's an upgrade for the neighborhood. You put Jesus in the midst of the worst of us and he changes things. He turns things around. You walk in the midst of Jesus and it's an upgrade in your life. You all of a sudden you begin to think differently and uh, walk differently. He passed by the, uh, the, the little, the little guy, uh, what was his name? Uh, uh, the Nicodemus was it Nicodemus climbing up in the tree. Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus climbing up the tree, walk by, just walking by the guy. He says, man, I need to start giving money back. All the money I stole, I began to, you know, Pastor Danny handed me back a 10 today. I said, where'd you get? Man, you, you left your wallet on the, on the table the other day, you know. Oh, Jesus must be in the room. He changes things. 
on the same day, this, pre, this, this prisoner, he went from prison and then into punishment. And then Jesus made him a promise that today you'll be with me in paradise. And there's no wider chasm that exists. There's, there's no greater separation than the distance between this man's past and where this man is going. God opened a door for him. Jesus in the midst of the worst of us doesn't, you know, doesn't lower his status in the least. On the contrary, Jesus in the midst of us, the worst of us, the worst that the city has to offer, he elevates us. Even this moment, see, that's what the resurrection, not only on the cross, and if that happens on the cross, if that happens on the cross, when the pressure in the worst of his life, the worst moment, the moment even in his prayer, he was asking God, God, if there's another way, if there's another way, open up another way, I'm willing to do plan B or something. God, keep me from this moment, but it is to this moment that you've brought me. This is why I exist. This is why I've come. And when he came to that moment, the worst moment of his life, if Jesus have, has good things to give from the cross, what does he have for you this morning? What does he have for you this morning? If on the cross, bleeding from his scars, humiliated, having been beaten by the Roman soldiers, if on the cross he has good things to give away, what does he give after his resurrection? What does he have for you right now in this very moment? No one stood closer to Jesus in his death than the criminals. The disciples ran, you know, which is, I, I find fascinating. All the guys were gone, only the sisters, man. It's like the, the sisters were there, you know, Mary and all, you know, they, they were there and, and and they stayed with them. John hung out, you know, John, I, I kind of liken myself to John. <laughs> no, but the guys took off. The disciples were gone. And the, and the women were there. But the criminals were the closest to him in his death. The criminals could hear every moan and groan. They heard him in his pain and even with the, the sounds, even the look of his, of his body as, he was, as his life was slipping away. He didn't curse anybody. When they came close to him, the Roman soldiers and the people yelling, he didn't spit on them from the cross, you know, come a little closer, you know, I, come on, Lily, yeah, get a little closer, you know, and spitting on people. Father, forgive them. He had, he had things to give away. Blessing, promises, opening doors for them. And as they were there next to Jesus, they were able to hear what he had to say. This morning, the same Jesus stands in the midst of us. He is here with us. And for many of us, he's been knocking at the door of your heart, knocking, wanting to come in, like it talks about in Revelation 3.20. We did a Bible study not long ago at my Bible study. We were talking about all the doors in the Bible, the doors. There are many doors that the Bible talks about, God opening up doors of opportunity. 
And Paul mentions it several times, how God opens up doors of opportunity. And, and he has probably opened up doors of opportunity for you, jobs, opportunities, whatever. It's a, a door that God opens up, and he expects you to walk through. But this door, when he knocks on your door, it's not a door for you to go through. He wants to come into you. And he knocks. And I don't know if we've ever been hesitant to walk through the doors that God has opened up for us. But God is never hesitant to walk through the door if you open it up for him. And he's been knocking on some of our hearts. Some have said, you know, I'm going to wait until I get right before I really commit myself to God. Wait till you get right. You think this criminal was able to wait till he got right? He was there on the cross. In fact, like I said, in Matthew's gospel, he was there hurling insults as well. He had things to say as well. He probably, you know, had, you know, cursed him. Maybe, maybe he heard him, like I said, perhaps in his village preaching and and, kind of heard him and saw and and heard and and, and threw a few insults. But then as, as time went on and as he watched him, he thought, man, this guy is different. He's, he's not like us. He's, he's different. He, he's, he's not full of, of, of anger and, 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 and he's not disrespecting people back. He's carrying it all. Maybe, maybe he is the son of God. I, I don't have an opportunity to get right, to make it right, to get baptized and to follow the whole plan that they lay out for me to follow. So let me just shoot my best shot and see what happens. Let me just ask him. Let me just ask him, remember me. Lord, if you could do that, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, remember me today. You'll be with me in paradise. Today. Some of us are saying, you know, let me wait. I'll give it some time. I'll I'll try and deal with these things in my life. What for? Today, you can come to him. Take a chance, like the criminal. Take a chance. Just ask him, Lord, will you invite me in? There are some here this morning who may have been avoiding the call of God, the tug of God. The Bible tells us in the book of Acts that that Jesus was after Peter, or, or I'm sorry, Jesus was after Paul, and and. When he knocked Paul down, he spoke to Paul. And he says, you know, why why have you been running? It's hard for you to kick against the goads. And the goad is like a prod. I've been prodding at you. In life, circumstances, prodding at you, you, facing hardship or illness or whatever it may have been. And he's prodding. He was prodding at Paul and prodding at Paul. and, 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 And Paul was kicking against the goads kicking against Christ. Every time Christ was trying to get his attention, he would kick back and kick back and kick back until he finally knocked him down. And Jesus said, it's been me, but you've kicked against the goads. And there are some here that he's been prodding at you, circumstances and situations in our lives. And we're thinking, man, why is this happening? Why is this happening? And you have a dream about it, and, 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 or somebody comes and talks to you about it, or you see something on TV, or you hear something in a song, and Jesus is there whispering and speaking until the point where he begins to shout to you, come back to me, serve me, and love me the way I love you. Let me into your heart. Let me, let me 
bring about a change in your life. It's a call for love. We've been facing trials and strange circumstances, and Jesus is calling you. He's been calling you. And if this is who Jesus is on the cross, if he has good things to give away from the cross, if this is who he is on the cross, who is he this morning after the resurrection? Today we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I wonder if you believe all that he has for you. The resurrection is an invitation for you to overcome your limitations, whatever they may be. If Jesus can rise from the dead, he was as dead as dead can get. He wasn't asleep. He, wasn't, he hadn't fainted. He was dead. And from his death, he just kind of woke up. He, he had the strength and the power to recapture his own life and rise up from the dead. The resurrection is an invitation to you that whatever your limitations may be, you can overcome those things. Is there something you need for God to remove from your life? Is there something that gets in the way, something that hinders you from being the very best that you can be, the person that God has called you to be? If there's something in your life that betrays you, it is not the real you. It always comes in and hinders you, a stumbling block. If there's something that doesn't represent you well, Jesus is able to deliver you completely. The resurrection is an invitation to overcome every limitation. It's an invitation for you to fulfill your calling. It's an invitation to join him in paradise. And so this morning, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you that God will do all in your life that he has intended to do and he has made possible through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. Will you stand with me this morning? Hallelujah. Join me as we pray. Father God, this morning, I pray for every heart, every individual here that you've been calling. You've been calling. You've been calling out to us. You show up at times in our dreams, in our daydreams. You show up in our circumstances. You show up in the instances, Father, good or bad, you show up to get our attention, to remind us of your claim upon our lives. You've shown up from the very beginning. You've shown up, my God, to call us, to welcome us, to invite us. You show up, Lord God, in our lives. You knock on the door of our heart. There is more that you want from us, a total commitment, a total and complete love, the same way you've loved us. And if you are, the man that you were on the cross who has good things to give having been nailed having been humiliated having been beaten in the worst of your times to give the best away lord who are you this morning resurrected in complete full power with all authority given to you who are you today and what do you have to give to those lord god that look to you this morning we see you now as resurrected in complete power, in complete control. Restore what was lost, O oh God. Redeem, revalue those who have lost their value. 
Father God, put families back together. Rebuke cancer and diabetes. Rebuke lupus, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Father God, shower your people with grace and love. Father, I pray that we would take the risk to ask you, Father God, for the greatest things that we can ask you because you are the gift giver this morning. You give good things, my God, even in the worst time of your existence. So who are you today? Having been resurrected, completed, full of power, Lord God. Oh, we pray that you would meet our needs. We pray that you would bless our families. We pray for our own salvation, our commitment to you. We pray, my God, for a ministry of power and effectiveness. We pray that our marriages will be successful and strong. Our children will rise up and serve you. We pray for our city. We pray for our family members. We rebuke cancer and sickness in the name of Jesus. We pray, Father God, for peace and love, Father God. We pray that you would move by your power. Oh God, we're willing to ask you. We're willing to come to you, Lord God. You are the giver of good things and you have resurrected from the dead. Oh, you have overcome all things. So we come to you humbly and ask, my God, remember us. Remember us this morning. Hallelujah. If God has spoken to you, I'm going to open the altars. Come and find a place of prayer. Come and ask him what you need of him. Talk to the Savior this morning. Take a risk. Ask him what you need of him. He has risen from the dead. He has overcome the worst. He has overcome death. He has overcome humiliation and shame. And he is able to meet your needs this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus.